Um, when he came, of course, could turn to Titus and we'll finish this chapter, Lord willing. And we'll finish up chapter number three. We're in chapter number three. And so this speaks to some of this. If you, if you look at verse number one of the book of Titus, and, um, we've just finished up the holiness and the faithful and we're back down to uh, dealing with having been, forgot, having been forgiven uh, in verses uh, three and four and moving on down. But uh, verse number one, put him in mind to be subject to principalities, powers, obey magistrates, be ready to every good work. Uh, verse number two, to speak evil of no man, to be no brawlers, but gentle, showing all meekness unto all men. And then if you think about what he does, and he comes in verse number three, starts a, uh, as after he's on the heels here, verse number two, and instructing us uh, to do some very difficult things. I think the, the New Testament brings out pretty clearly that no man has tamed this little member in our mouth, right? So the most difficult thing, if he's able to do that, he's able to bring his whole body into subjection, right? Because we put bits in the horse's mouths. And so this little member, and I think it's made clear, it's set on fire of hell, and that no man's been able to completely, outside of Christ, is able to completely tame that little member, and so that's one of the greatest things he's told us in verse number two. In, in, in the first part, speak evil of no man. Uh, that's pretty difficult to do, isn't it? Uh, to be brawlers, uh, to be no brawlers, but gentle, showing all meekness and all men. And he follows them on the heels of that and instructing us to do that and says, for we ourselves also were sometimes foolish and disobedient and deceived and serving divers lust and pleasures and living in malice and envy and hateful and hating one another. And he said in verse number four, but after that, the kindness and love of God our Savior toward man appeared. And so when you got saved and God got you, he got a foolish, disobedient, deceived, lustful, living in pleasures and malice and envy, hateful, hate, hating individual. That's what he got. Right? Amen. Anybody think of yourself much better than that? You're deceived, I believe. So he came and died and gave himself for the ungodly and he exhorts us here to show a fundamental change to the world. In verse number two. When you look at the, you look at salvation in verse number three and talking about, of course it goes on to verse number four and talking about uh, those things. But in verse number three, we were ourselves also sometimes foolish and disobedient, deceived and serving divers lust. And uh, he, he, he says that in a way is to help us to be able to perform uh, the actions that's necessary in verse number two. Um, I just want to make some statements about um, a couple of things that I've not already made. Uh, to speak evil of no man, to be no brawlers, but gentle and showing all meekness to all men. Uh, when we got saved, Christ fundamentally changed what we are, right? We're, we're, we're new creatures in Christ. We are positionally something altogether new. And Christ is exhorting us to accurately reflect him to the world, 
right? And we talked a little, little bit about that and, and said we need to, it's imperative that we display the change that God's made in our life to the world, right? So that they can see the power of the gospel and to walk worthy of the Lord. Isn't that right? what the Bible said? So walk ye in him as you've received him. And so we're exhorted here, but I want you to think more. I want, I want to dial this down just a little bit if I can get my words out of where I'm wanting to go here. You hear a lot of testimonies in churches, and I thank God for them. I've heard men get up and talk about, you know, I used to be a, uh, I used to cuss, and God cleaned my mouth up. Thank God for that. You thank God for that? I do. And say, well, I'm a Christian, I still cuss. Shame on you. Watch your mouth. You're going to be talking like that. But uh, somebody said one time, well, I thank God I used to be a drunk and I'm no longer a drunkard. God took the alcohol from me. Thank God for that. Hallelujah for that. Uh, I've heard testimonies. I, I used to be a drug addict and God just took all the lust and desires for, for those kind of drugs and things and mind-altering things away from me. And, and God, God changed me from being a drug addict. And I thank God for that. Don't you? Salvation will do that to you. God will change you. Now, oh, some people take maybe a couple of days, some a couple of years, and some God may have to kill them to get, them, get it all out of them. But God will change your life. And I thank God for those things that we manifest outwardly. Don't you? I mean, I thank God for the change. I, I, I uh, praise the Lord Wednesday for some of the things that God's changed my life about. And, and, uh, um, but I want to make a couple of statements that I, I think are important for us to remember. I have seen drug addicts get off of drugs without Jesus. Now I'm going somewhere here. Uh, so uh, that's not to belittle what happened when a man got saved and God took those things out of his heart and, and, and God gets rid of all that stuff. That is to be rejoiced and, and it's good to praise God for that. Don't you think? I, I used to have a, a real problem with, with fornication and God save a man and, and take, take that away from him and give him the power to keep his body under subjection and not indulge in those lower appetites any longer. And I thank God for that. Thank God for that. I really do. And I think that's a good thing. Right? Uh, the Bible said Christians shouldn't, shouldn't let that be named once among them as become a saint. So I thank God for the power of God in changing our life in that way. And many of us have given testimony to, uh, to those kind of things. But can I say this? I've seen people quit smoking without Jesus. I have firsthand watched people lay down the most addictive drugs known to mankind overnight and never pray a prayer. Never went to church. Never read a Bible. It's possible to have reformation without Jesus. To the degree of this flesh. I know, I know, I know, I know uh, kids, I know young kids that were never went to church. They never were saved. Had nothing to do with religion. And I don't know if I ever heard them cuss or mistreat anybody. So if all we're standing in, some kind of, some kind of, as evidence for our salvation is some kind of, well, I don't do drugs anymore, you're, you could be sadly mistaken because there's lost people that don't do dope. Right? Now I'm, I'm going somewhere with this because, uh, so here's what, here's what I want to say. Uh, there's people that go to AA meetings and go through 12-step programs and, and, and maybe they kick the habit of alcohol. That happens. Doesn't does mean Jesus did it. Now, I, I think it's God's grace to allow any person even lost to be able to do those kind of things, whether they acknowledge that or not. 
but uh, but I, I'm going somewhere. It, when you go to the world and you say, well, 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 and, and it's a good testimony, and it ought to be. If God saved you and you used to be a drunk, you ought to put your drinking down and quit being a drunk. I believe that now. Stay with me. Uh, I'm not making light of that. But what I'm saying, if that's all the evidence that you've got to show a loss in a dying world about who Jesus is, uh, we're following, we're, we're selling them a little bit short. He's a lot more than just taking a, a, a drunk and making him not a drunk anymore. Look at what he's asking us to do here. I, I, I'm going to tell you what God, uh, what we ought to manifest to the world. And what we manifest to the world is that God fundamentally changed who we are. Not merely what I do. What I, what I do has been changed because of the positional change of what I am. My outward has been affected to some degree. Absolutely, it shall and it will uh, be affected. Your practice will be affected by your position. Undoubtedly so. Uh, but, uh, uh, but, what, but if you look at here, how many, how many people have ever heard a testimony and they've seen somebody just hateful and mean and all of a sudden they wake up one morning and their heart's full of love and they love people and they're giving and, they're, and, and man, they're helping you get, uh, get to uh, holding the door open for you and, and uh, if you have a need, they'll give to you and help you. How many people have seen somebody mean and violent just wake up one morning and all of a sudden they're just the nicest person you ever talked to? I don't, have, I don't know of one. Think with me. Think back to the school, your school day. Do you know anybody uh, that has, has gone from uh, constantly tearing people down and just speaking evil of everybody in order to make themselves look better, just wake up one day and say, well, I was talking to my psychiatrist and they changed me. I'm doing better now. I don't speak evil of people anymore. I can control my tongue. I don't know of a one testimony I've ever heard that way. I've never heard of a, a single testimony of a lost man who was full of bitterness and hate and hate-filled type of person who was a violent person just wake up one day and say, you know what, I'm going to start loving people. Does anybody have a testimony like that? Does anybody know of a person who, and outside of some kind of tragic car wreck, maybe they bumped their head and it made a change. But I don't know. Do you know what it speaks to the world? What I'm saying is, do you know what it shows to the world for, for people like me and you? If we were, if we were mean people and hateful people and, and, and belligerent type people, for God to change you and make you love people, that's a whole, I don't know of a psychiatrist in the world that can do that. Now, he could dope you up enough where you don't know any different. And get you some enough dope, you just might walk around smiling. <laughs> but outside, name it, name it to me. Do, do you know of anybody that went from hating, hateful, bitter type personality to all of a sudden they woke up and say, you know what? I just seen the light. Hallelujah, glory. I'm just going to start loving people and being thankful and, and being good to people. Outside of a man, get born again. Amen. I ain't never seen it. I ain't never seen it. And so what I'm saying is, what, what, what I'm trying to get through to us is, and I'm for all those wonderful outward changes. I think we ought to lay down all the weights and sins that easily beset us. I think we ought to show the world that God can take the doper off a of dope and the drunk off a of dr uh, 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 drinking and put the uh, cigarettes down for you and put everything, all these bad habits. He can, he can give you the power to overcome them. I think we ought to manifest that to the world. But what he's exhorting us to do here goes a whole lot deeper than stopping a few bad habits. I know lost people that quit bad habits. I know programs designed to help people change bad habits. And, and, and to some degree of success. 
But I don't know anybody who's ever been fundamentally changed in what they are on the inside outside of a man being born again of the Spirit of God. I have never seen a man be filled with love and joy and meekness and goodness to people who would humble himself in his pride. I've never seen a person do that outside of the grace of God when he saves a man. Now that says something to the world. Anybody can hate people and they can do it without drinking beer. I know some hateful people that uh, don't drink beer either. But there's no hope of changing them. I've seen fairly decent people become more hateful. Seen that happen. But I've never seen it go the other way. Outside of Jesus. And so what he's saying here is, if you want to show the world something, if you want to manifest to the world who Christ really is, then they need to see the love of God, the goodness and kindness of God, our Savior towards man appear. What appeared to you that drew you to Jesus? Was it the fact that he had the power to cast you in hell? I'm not saying that's not a good secondary thought to have. You better fear God who can put you in hell. But you know what led me to repentance? It was the goodness of God. It's the fact God still loved me, though I was a mess, and that God stood ready at any moment to save me, and that that, that God uh, was constantly, uh, at any moment, he could have cut me off. But his long-suffering and his gentleness and his goodness, when he could have put me in hell, kept drawing me to himself by lifting up Jesus. That kind of thing's what drew me to Christianity, what drew me to Jesus. And I'm gonna tell you what'll draw me now, is when we manifest to this world, not a hateful, hate-filled, bitter spirit, but a kind, meek, gentle spirit full of love to a lost world, they'll want what you've got. But if you're hate-filled and you've got hatefulness and bitterness and meanness, but you're dressed right, look right, talk right, act right, you are useless to this world. Because I know people that have act right, uh, but don't know nothing about Jesus. And them not going to church is sometimes more attractive than where some people go. Well, that's what it makes you. I ain't going down there. (laughs) I cannot drink beer and stay home. That's all you've got. Everybody okay? And I'm for living right. Don't y'all know better than that? I'm not making a lot of those things. Things are important. They're wonderful. We ought to live holy and righteously and godly in this world. He just said that we should. But if it stops there, that's not really manifesting all that who Christ is, is it? Because that's not all he is. He's love and joy and peace. And man, I'm telling you, it's God. If we want to accurately reflect to this world, you didn't catch Jesus roaming around just bad-mouthing everybody, did you? If anybody had the right to speak evil, it was Jesus. He never did nothing wrong. And so if anybody had the right to tear you down verbally, it would have been Jesus. What did he tell that woman? Neither do I condemn thee. Remember, if anybody had the right to stand there and condemn her, brother Oliver, it was Jesus. As holy as he is, he could have stood there and said, how filthy, how disgusting, you low-life scumbag. How can you, if anybody had the right to tear a sinner down and speak evil of men, it was Jesus. But what did the Bible say he did? He went about doing good. That means he didn't let stuff go. He called it where it needed to be called at. <laughs> he, in fact, he, what did he tell her? She got to go and sin no more. Amen. And, uh, but... But man, God has fundamentally changed who we are on the inside. And now that's why we're to be what we are. 
Not just merely act in, in holy ways. Uh, uh, again, I want to reiterate, if we want to accurately reflect to this world who Christ is, we're going to have to do that first of all. That's why he said, hang all the law and the prophets on this that you love. Right? Some people think they deserve a cookie because they don't say bad words and they don't drink beer. Listen, I thank God. I, I told this to my boy. Somebody got mad at me and uh, because this is not to make light of and I'm not belittling this. I thank God, as, as, to my knowledge, um, that boy right there has never drunk a beer and, and, and I've never heard him say a bad word ever in my life that I know of. And I thank God for that. But that doesn't make you godly. I thank God for it. <laughs> I really do. He's a far cry better than what I was as a young man. And I thank God for that. And he knows that. Uh, but that don't get you any accolades or earn you any medals uh, because there's a lot of young people that don't drink beer and don't fornicate and cuss. That make them godly. Right? You know what a good testimony is? Is that you're filled with love and meekness towards all men. Now that's difficult. That'll get you somewhere. Now, you remember that verse in Hebrews 6? For God's not unrighteous. Forget your work and labor of love, which is shown towards his name. I'm going to say something. Uh, since I'm online, I have to put these disclaimers out there. I, I'm not saying this dogmatically. I'm thinking out loud, okay? But just think with me. Think with me on this. For God's not unrighteous to forget your work and labor of love which you've shown towards his name. What's the next part of that? Is there a colon there? I think there's a colon there. And it says, and that you minister to the saints and do minister. That you have ministered to the saints. So what does he say? God's not unrighteous to forget your work and labor of not drinking alcohol. See, sometimes we get the idea, well, I'm going to get rewards in heaven because I don't do all these bad things. That's just reasonable service for anybody that's saved. I don't get rewards because I didn't go out and cuss a blue streak today. Everybody okay? I mean, it's a great thing and we ought to live holy and I don't think a man can take holiness too far. God said, be perfect as I am, be holy as I am. I don't think you can do righteously enough uh, to, to, to uh, uh, adorn the doctrine of God properly. I don't think you could. But I don't know that we're going to be rewarded for not sinning. Why do we have that idea uh, that, that, that uh, uh, well, I'm, I, I know I'm not saved by works. I know that. And I, I know I, I work because I am saved. Tyler touched on that. Faith without works was just dead. And I know I ought to be working. But some of us ideas that we have, it's like if we, if we live right, that that somehow is going to earn us the rewards in heaven. As far as I know in the New Testament, that's not so. That's just, that is reasonable service. Present your body a living sacrifice. What's the word? Holy and acceptable unto the Lord, which is something that God's going to give you a whole lot of rewards for. No, which is just reasonable. Right? Amen. And uh, so if we're thinking about that verse, and he talks about God's not a right to forget your word and labor level, you show toward his name, and that you minister to the saints and do minister. So uh, what's going to give me rewards in heaven is, is, is in, in my opinion, unless I'm not thinking thoroughly through all this, uh, is, is, my, is my good works. Right? These are profitable unto men. 
am I judged for? The deeds done in my body? Deeds, right? So, so uh, if it was going to have, because here, here's where I struggle. If we're justified by faith and we stand perfect in Christ and all of our iniquities, he will remember against us no more. So positionally speaking, the question of sin and in particular sins is answered in Christ, is it not? All my sins are gone. Not the ones, well, uh, uh, well, what if I die before 1 John and I meant to get a couple, few more of them in there under the blood, but then I die. Will I get to heaven and answer for those I didn't get to ask? No, I don't think so. Let's see, that's the question of what if a man kills himself? He's not allowed to ask for forgiveness. That, brother, that's so ridiculous. A, God, a man is justified in Christ and all things whereof he could not be justified are justified in Christ. Everything, Right? So, and on the negative side, if I'm not, if I'm not going to answer for sin, then why, well, on the positive side, I answer for sin? I'm just not sure. I'm not saying dogmatically no, but I, I, I am saying this. It's reasonable for us to live holy. I don't think it's something that we're rewarded for. In the heavens, later on, there's a lot of reward down here for living right. Save you a whole lot of trouble, Right? Sin will cause you confusion. It'll confuse other people. Sin is a problem and it will mess your life up. When it's finished, it brings forth death. We're all going to experience that. And uh, so well, what about those lives in this rain? They still experience a death, a separation. A separation from this body. Death's never annihilation anyway. So I don't ever have to believe that because all men are once appointed to die. Right? That's what I believe. Now anyway. And so, okay, so uh, some of us, I think, have the idea uh, that, uh, well, if I don't pass out tracts, if I don't witness to anybody, if I don't do any good for anybody, and I don't don't do anything else, that'll be okay. As long as I can bring my body under subjection, then I'll still get, no, you're not going to be rewarded for that. It's great to keep your body under subjection, but if you think God's going to reward you in heaven because you didn't drink beer as a Christian, you're mistaken. I just don't believe that. I don't believe that's where the wars are. So where should our focus be? We ought to live holy because it's right to do. Because he told us to. I ought to not drink beer because he told me not to drink beer. I ought to not do dope because he told me not to do drugs. And I'm a new creature. And that is not accurately reflecting who Christ is. Right? But not in hopes that he's going to reward me with a bigger mansion. Because I was holier than anybody else. Newsflash. We're all just the equally holy in position in the eyes of God. If you're saved and justified, there's nobody that's more justified. Right? That ought to be a good thought for some of us failures. (laughs) When it comes to justification, I'm just as Christ, just as Paul, just as anybody that labored more abundantly than me. I stand justified in Christ, accepted in the beloved. What he is, I am. What he has, I have. He's going to go, we're going to go and see that here in just a minute and talking about joint heirs with Christ and all those wonderful things. So that's positionally so. And so I, I am not tearing down the fact we ought to live right. You all know me better than that. I believe a man ought to live as right as he can possibly live. I believe we ought to walk just as Jesus Christ walked. That's what I think. And, and when we're not doing so, it's sin. All unrighteousness is sin to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not sin. And uh, 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 let's see, uh, all unrighteousness is sin. And whatever is not of faith is sin. That covers everything. That doesn't leave any stone unturned. Some people think, well, I've not committed adultery. I'm doing okay. I don't know. You may be failing in some areas a whole lot worse than that. Now, okay, so... 
I want, my, I, want my, I want to be thinking right in this matter of rewards. Now, I don't think we can do things in an unholy manner and get rewarded for it either. Now, that's going to be 1 Corinthians 13, right? Because that's not how charity operates, right? Now, my intent can't be wrong either. If I'm going to do good for Tyler... That's not grace. That's not showing grace. That's not love. But I only do it as to expect something in return. Then I believe I've lost my reward in that. Don't you? When I'm going to give this money as long as the preacher gets up and thanks me for it and tells everybody, lets them know so they'll think good of me. You just lost everybody. All the rewards you're going to get is whatever men say about you down here. Right? So the intent's got to be right. The heart's got to be right. It's motivated by love, faith which worketh by love. So it's not selfish. It's not doing good deeds so that I can get rewards later. That's just icing on the cake. Right? I'm not doing it for the intent that I'm going to do good for you. I'm going to do something nice for you because uh, a give and it shall be given unto you. I'm not going to do good for you hoping that God will give it to me again. He may never give it to me again. I may give a thousand dollars this church, and, and, and most of us, and most people preach it as though God will give you two thousand for a guaranteed fact next year. I don't know. You might go bankrupt next year. I don't know that there's any promise there. You, we ought to just give and do right because it's right to do, and God gave Himself for us when we didn't deserve it. Right? We ought to do that because we love people. And, uh, and not, not forgetting that one day God will set everything right. You don't have to worry about that. And so God has fundamentally changed what we are, has he not? Speak evil of no man. And uh, just remember that you are sometimes also just exactly like these folks, foolish and disobedient and deceived and serving divers' lusts and pleasures, living in malice and envy and hateful and hating one another. And so instead of seeing me hateful, they ought to see me meek. They ought to see me gentle. Is that right? Instead of, instead of them seeing me hating people, shouldn't they see me meekness, gentleness, speaking evil of no man? So no wonder, no wonder a lot of times we're so ineffective when we go out witnessing. You know what? I, you know what I think is a shame? Brother Reed, I remember this probably five or six years ago. We went to go eat on a Sunday. We used to not ever do it. And we started eating on Sunday because of time constraints. We, we went and ate. We downed people for working on Sundays, but if Christians would quit eating there, they wouldn't have to work. Come on, don't die on me. I'm guilty too. God help me. We're just lazy. And uh, so we didn't used to do it. We started doing it. And I went to that place and we go around this drive through I know it's hard to believe that, that I eat unhealthy foods, but just try to believe that that happened once. So we go to this place and, and we come around through there and this little, this little lady comes to the door and she said, oh goodness, what time is it? She said, are y'all just getting out of church? And I said, yes. Yeah. She rolled her eyes and she turned that lady and she said, here comes the church crowd. I know what she meant. They're probably mean, hateful, probably don't even give a tip. Anybody ever had those kind of uh, 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 waitresses or waiters and they think, Lord, we dread when Christians come in here. They're short, they're bitter, they're hateful. And then we say, well, I don't know why these people can't get it. Why won't they come to our church? Who in the world would want to come go where you go? If it's going to make me, I can be hateful at home watching Netflix. Come on now. 
So, so I think it's great. I'm glad they don't see you come in the restaurant and order a beer. But it ain't saying nothing more than the table down there, down across the way, who's not Christians. They didn't order beer either. You know where the difference has got to be made? When they see our kindness and love and gentleness and joy and encouragement and help. That's where it's going to make a difference in this lost world. Because that is unnatural to a man. That's not natural for a man to be gentle. Is it? See, not everybody's as gentle as your daddy is, Tyler. He's just sitting there smiling like this. Uh-huh. It's not natural. What's normally natural? When you see my flesh, what is it? Hateful. Short. That's not the spirit of God. That's me. So what's, what's, what, what transcends that flesh? So when there's times that, that, God, that I've really been walking in the spirit and I've really been doing right and these kids do something I could just beat them half to death for and you go down there broken and say, look, God didn't beat me every time I mess up. I want you to know I love you and I'm going to pray for you and I'm going to help you and I'm not going to do nothing this time. That'll do something for you. Now, some of them don't respond to either one, so I just offer the belt. Makes me feel better anyway. But hey, there's been time. Hey, how would you like for God to beat you every time you mess up? God help me as a daddy. Boy, could you, I couldn't imagine if God brought down the swift hammer of justice on me every time I made a mistake. I wouldn't be able to walk in here this morning. Now, that don't alleviate you all from getting no whooping now. But, because foolishness bound the heart of the child, the rod of correction driving far from them. But I can say this, it's that mercy mixed in. I can remember talking to one of them right now and it just came to me. I don't know why I did it, but man, I was going to, I was, I was in the flesh mad. I know none of y'all ever done that, but I, when I, when I got in the flesh mad about something. And I had intended to tear his hide up. And as I sat there, I thought and reflected about all that I really was. And I thought, man, God have mercy on me. What if God flew into me and just flew off the handle every time I said something out of the way or didn't do something I was told to do? I wonder how many times God's told some of us to do something and we ain't done it. There's been some things I've been dealing with for 13 years now in my flesh. And hallelujah for the day. That I won't have to fight that any longer, Brother Tony. Amen. But God makes, gives no quarter to that. He doesn't say, well, I understand that you're flesh. No, uh-uh. I've given you the power to overcome it. What are you doing? But I tell you this much. Now, despise not the chasing of the Lord, which we all are partakers. That's an encouraging verse that God would, 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 would uh, chasten you as his sons. And not for his own pleasure, for your good. And like your earthly father's. But I thank God that I haven't been treated uh, by my father like I've treated some as a father. Aren't you? So isn't that the idea? We all take that into account. It's the same idea when we take recollection of what we are and were. It will help us in how we're out there manifesting ourselves to the lost world. If we really want to show them something, speak evil of no man. Listen, there's only a Christian that can control his tongue. It would take the power of God. And even at that, almost everybody fails. It takes a real Christian to be meek to everybody. 
It takes the power of God for you to be gentle to people when they really probably deserved a swift kick in the hind end. But to be gentle with them, boy, that takes a real Christian. How many of y'all could note right now the Christians that made a difference, the most difference in your life? Now, they weren't unholy people. But it wasn't their holiness. It wasn't their, I'm using the word holy so that y'all understand what I'm saying. It wasn't the fact that they didn't smoke cigarettes and they didn't wear britches and they didn't blah, 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 and go down the list of all the different things or they didn't have a TV or they didn't. That wasn't what so much stuck out in my mind. What stuck out in my mind that made, my, made a difference in my life and, and, and I am what I am today by the grace of God, please understand me, but it was people that were full of meekness and gentleness and love and encouragement and kindness. They didn't approve of your sin, but boy, they loved you right on through it. Those people made a difference in my Christian life. I wanted what they had. Some of you, please don't misunderstand what I'm saying. Somebody goes out of here, well, Brother Boyer's out for just living how you want to. That's not at all what I'm saying. You know that. But Lord, don't help us fail. If we're going to fail somewhere, Heavenly Father, don't let us fail in how we love and gentleness and meekness and kindness to other people. Or we're going to lose people. We'll have no effect out here. And so, if we want to manifest Christ, he gives us verse 2, and say, well, I don't really feel like doing that. Well, maybe verse 3 will help you remember why you want to. Right? Because you yourself was that way. And then he comes down to verse number four and says, But after the kindness of God and love our God, our Savior towards man appeared, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy saved us by the washing of regeneration and new of the Holy Ghost. Amen. And this is a wonderful verse here that's kind of stuck in, the, in this thing. That uh, uh, if, you, if you think about it, I know, I know we covered this, so let, let, me, let me go quickly because we just got a couple minutes. And so he said, uh, after the kindness of God, love our Savior towards man appear, uh, because that's what made a difference when you were in that condition. Uh, and he saw that it wasn't your works of righteousness because you were disobedient, deceived, and foolish, and serving divers' love. So it wasn't according to your works of righteousness, which you've done, but according to his mercy, he saved us. And by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost, semicolon. He finishes the, uh, the thought in these, three, in these next two verses uh, that he began. And so not by works of righteousness, but the washing of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Ghost, <clears throat> which he shed on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Savior. That, that word there, abundantly, uh, I wanted to take just to know. It literally means he, he, he uh, with a unmeasurably poured out upon us this regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Ghost. So, so uh, I, I want to say something. I was talking to a man earlier uh, this week and we got to talking about this. I've heard many preachers get up and make this statement. And they preach and they say, God restored us to being Adam back in the garden. And that's never made sense to me. And I thought, well, yes, technically, I guess uh, he did uh, restore, I guess our, you know, we talked about this word innocence. Uh, he did restore our innocence in the sense of how we lost fellowship. What did Adam lose the moment that, she, that, that sin entered the world and death by sin? He said, in, the, in that very moment, you shall surely die. Yeah. Right? Yeah. But he went on living. So, so what did he lose? What did God restore us to? He restored us back to fellowship. Right? You, you commune with God in the spirit. Now this is what I believe. Our spirit was dead. Dead in sin. 
And you can commune with God in the spirit. That's that part of God because God is a spirit, right? And so, uh, yes, in a sense, he did. He quickened our, uh, our spirits. He made us alive into God and, and, and restored that. But he took us a step beyond that. Right? Or I should say a bunch of steps beyond that. Because we're in Christ and Christ is risen and seated at the right hand of the Father. So if I'm in Christ and I'm a joint heir, not a co-heir, right? Co would mean a 50-50 split, right? If I died and left everything I owned, you two, and, and it was a co-survivorship, it would mean you get half of what I got and you get the other half. But that's not so. If it's joint, then that means you get 100% and I get 100% and you enjoy 100%, you enjoy 100%, you enjoy 100% and on down the line. It's not split up. So we're, we're joint heirs with Christ Jesus. Everything he has, we have. Now, now we got to go on here because I'm taking my time. Oh, but we're getting the good stuff here. All right, so... So uh, uh, we, we go on and talk about this great inheritance and we will we'll, we'll look at the inheritance uh, of the saints and he's made us meet to be partakers uh, and all those wonderful things. Uh, but this Bible said he poured it out on us abundantly. He didn't just forgive you of your sins. He, he didn't just restore you back to a state of innocence because if it was just something merely where you were taken back to where Adam was, Adam fell in the garden. Can't, let me ask you this, can you fall? No, you can't. You have eternal life in Christ and you shall never die. And the Bible says this, sealed to the day of redemption and we're waiting for the adoption to win, the redemption of our bodies, right? Until the redemption of the purchased possession. Take that one to the bank. Now, what do you mean, preacher? Here's what I'm trying to say. I'm trying to say God didn't just merely uh, uh, give you back and restore you to some sense of what you were in the garden uh, as Adam was in the garden. As he walked with God and communed with God in the cool of the day and uh, 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 he worked, but he didn't, uh, and all the other things where the curves would be lifted would be relevant to that. Um, but this much we, don't, we know for a fact. I know this much. He was not sealed by the Holy Ghost to the day of redemption. I know his life was not hid with Christ in God. I know that. Because I, I, will, never, I will never lose my salvation. I will never fall. In fact, if you don't like me, you better get used to me because I'll never die. And we're going the same place. You better get over it. Right? And that goes for you too, friend. You will never die. There won't be a time where old smutty face will come through there and convince you to do something and you do it and fall and God have to uh, send his son to die for your sins again. That's done and forever perfected in Christ. And so uh, God's taken us beyond and, uh, and I said it the other night, but he's done exceedingly and abundantly. I mean, how many of you got saved and, and, and you just went to forgiven of sins and, and then you look at an inheritance undefiled that fadeth not away, a, restored, a, a, a reserve for you in heaven? Did you know anything about that? Did you know anything about a mansion when you got saved? I never heard nothing about that. 
I never knew God was going to fill my heart with joy and peace and, 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 and promise to never leave me and forsake me and, and, and fill my life with gladness and joy and, and all the things that he's done and, 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 and uh, um, light my path and, and all the various things, the goodness and mercy of God shall follow me all the days of my life. I never knew that I was going to be uh, coming back again one day with him. Better amen that. Ruling and reigning upon this earth for a thousand years be Christ. And guess who else is going to be there? Me. And you if you're saved. And you know what? I didn't know none of that before I got saved. I just know I was a sinful, I had done things that offended a holy God and God was going to put me in hell for my sins. And then I come to find out, I got a little closer and find out it wasn't just what I was doing, it's what I was. I was unholy in nature. What I was was defiled. <laughs> and he made me the righteousness of God. Is that what your Bible said? Boy, we don't shout nearly enough for what we've got in Jesus, do we? And, oh, I don't get time to, let's see. So, this, uh, I, I, I want to go back to 2 Samuel and look at Mephibosheth. He restored what Saul had, but he went far beyond that. You know what he said? He said, he said uh, to the servant, you'll go out and your men and you'll till the land so that, you'll, so that your master have food. But he said, as for Mephibosheth, he shall eat it, bread at my table always. You know what that says to me, brother? You know what that says to me? God didn't just restore me, but I've been eating bread from his table since the day I got saved. And there'll never be a time that I won't be feasting at his table. You're talking about that marriage supper of the Lamb? Christ will gird himself and serve us. Is that what the Bible said? And you, and you don't, you don't want to live for Jesus because of somebody hurts your feelings or somebody got you mad or somebody got... I don't mean to belittle those things, but if you'd start getting your focus on the good things and seeing what Christ did for you, what God's done for you in Jesus, that ought to motivate you to live for him. Right? Who shed on us abundantly. Yes. Now we got we gotta we gotta stop. And I really said, I, I honestly said I was gonna finish the chapter. But she shed on us abundantly through Jesus Christ, that being justified by his grace, we should be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. And so we, we'll just have to come. I was going to take us back to Romans tonight, but we've gone long enough already. We'll come back tonight. We'll go to Romans and Ephesians and, and try to look at this inheritance that we have. I don't think, I don't guess I know all that we have. I think that's why the Bible's clear. It's not in the hearts of mine. And he has revealed them unto us. But I still think there's a mystery reserved. I don't know what all it's going to be like in eternity. I got a hard enough time comprehending what I do know is going to be there. And here's what I do know he'll be there. And we see, we've got, we've got the reward. If we're blessed with faithful Abraham, and we can talk about the land he was promised and all of that, 
And we're talking about the seed in which he was blessed. And that's wonderful. We are blessed in Christ also. But you remember what he said to Abraham. You remember what Abraham's reward was, don't you? Fear not, Abram, for I am thy shield and thy exceeding great reward. I'll tell you what I'm going to give you, Abram. I'm going to give you myself. Nothing better could God give you that you could ever even begin to entertain in your little fallen mind than himself. If you're not saved and you say, well, I, I, I don't, you know, and you have all the, can I, can I exhort you to just look to Jesus? And say, well, what's all that going to get me? What's all that? Look, we can talk about that tonight and look at different rewards. But I'm going to tell you one thing that will get you. Number one, it will get you out of sin. Amen. Now, what do you mean by that? I mean sins, your sins in your life, your personal responsibility for those sins, God is going to put you in hell for and there's nothing you can do about it to make it right other than believe on Jesus. And you know what he'll do? He'll wipe them all away and then he'll give you his righteousness in return. Just like you ain't not only have never done any sin, but you're as righteous as God is. Your only hope's in Jesus. And uh, if you're not saved this morning, I hope you would come and look to him because if you don't, when we go tonight and we look at this inheritance and the saints and, and all of that, you have no part in that. If you're not saved, only those in Christ, don't miss out on what God has for you. Amen. And can I say something? If you're saying, well, I'm waiting for God to do something. I'm so tired of hearing that, I could about vomit. What more do you want God to do when he sent his son to die for you? Well, then what do I need to do? You need to believe on Jesus. Amen. You need to be, you're the one responsible. You need to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Amen. Right? Say, well, I, I, I don't, listen, I, I don't know what made the greatest difference in my life when I, the night I got saved and I'm done. Brother Reed's going to come. And the greatest difference in my life that night is when I realized I had offended a holy God and I realized that I was unholy and Christ was righteous and my only hope was in him. And I just abandoned myself to Jesus and he saved me. I want to, I want to encourage you to do that. Lord, we love you. I, I pray you'd help all of us as Christians to, to take seriously our Christian walk. We're, we're the only Bible some people will ever read. And so help us to take more seriously this matter of verse 2 of being gentle and meek and lowly as our Savior was. And help us to remember this lost world's dying without Jesus. And we have been entrusted with the ministry. So Lord, help us to be busy about the Father's business. To be able to give the gospel out. But not give it from a position that's unworthy of the Lord. We love you. In Jesus' name, stand to your feet. Just a moment. If you need to come, Brother Reed's going to sing.